couple of guys uh, that I'm going to bring up in just a few minutes. Uh, the first is Daniel White. He is the recovery coordinator. Uh, we affectionately call him D-Dub. Uh, but he is the recovery coordinator out at uh, at the men's center out on Napier Road, and uh, and then Cortland Craig is also he's actually going to be giving his testimony and bringing our message this morning. Uh, and you know, you may wonder why why do we do this? Because if you grow up in the churches of Christ, testimony is not something you probably heard people. Uh, give. Uh, in, in other churches, uh, it's, it's rather common. And uh, I, I remind us of a couple of scriptures that I used in that, that first time back in July of 21. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, uh, we read of a situation where Jesus gets in a boat and crosses the lake. And uh, when he gets there, it's because there is a man who is possessed by demons. And he has been living among the tombs on the outskirts of town. And uh, he has been, he is naked and he is among the tombs. They've tried to bind him with chains and he breaks the chains. And what we see there is that Jesus comes along and he casts the demons out of him and into a herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs runs off a cliff and drowns in the lake. And the man at the end is begging Jesus because you, you put yourself in the position of this man. He comes to his senses and uh, he's all cut up, the scripture tells us, and uh, he, is, he is completely nude in that moment and he comes to his senses and he probably is thinking... Oh, good grief, get me out of here. Get me, to take me anywhere but here. Because he doesn't want to face the people that know what he has been up to during this time that he has been possessed by these demons. But we read in Matthew 5, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. What is that, church? That's testimony right there. And then in John chapter 4, a, uh, a scene where there is a woman at a well in Samaria. And Jesus happens upon that well in the hot part of the day. And uh, he engages in a dialogue with this woman. A woman who avoids the people in the town because of her past. And we read in John 4 verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Skipping down to verse 39 of John 4, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And so um, there is an offering plate that's been out there for the past couple of weeks on a table in the lobby. And uh, we have encouraged you to give anything that you're willing to, uh, aside from your contribution, anything that you're willing to give Hope Center. And that plate is still out there today. And so, uh, but this isn't about contribution. This is about uh, a place that allows people the opportunity to change their lives forever. I think about the value of Hope Center. I don't mean to embarrass my brothers. But all I have to do is look right down here. And Adam and Vic are with us because there is a place that allows people to become free from the bonds of addiction and change their lives forever. And so, Dub, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. So, my name is Daniel White, uh, Brother Greg, uh, some of them call me Dub. Uh, I'm the recovery coordinator at Hope Center Ministries here at Holbald. Uh, but I came through the program. Uh, in March the 5th of 2021, uh, I came to a place called the Hope Center. Uh, I had no idea where I was going or, or what, what it was. Uh, I was at the end of my road, though. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, all those things was catching up to me. Uh, and I had an opportunity. God gave me an opportunity. Uh, and I walked through the door. And I got saved when I got there. I got baptized two days later. Uh, and uh, things just completely changed for me. Um, part of that change and part of my walk with Christ was uh, Bible study teachers. Uh, I don't know Brother Greg has, has bragged on the Hope Center, but Brother Greg and four others came alongside uh, and helped me through that because he would teach the, the Bible studies. I believe it was Tuesday morning. Uh, Bible studies and we would sing a hymn and it's found in Psalms 125 and 2 it says as the mountains surround Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds his people surround us Lord and I can remember singing that hymn and I can remember looking forward to brother Greg coming in and us singing that hymn together um, so I, I, I know that he's bragged on Hope Center but I want to brag on brother Greg and, and just say that, that it's had a lasting impact on me because that's been over two and a half years ago um, but the things that I learned in those Bible studies, the things that I learned uh, through the counselors there, they, they stuck with me, and, and I'm here today because of that. So I, I appreciate you, Brother Greg, and it's an honor and a privilege just to, to say something about it up here today. Um, but the, the point is, is that the impact of the counselors and the volunteers it lasts a lifetime. I'll never get past uh, what Jesus has done in my life uh, that's why I'm here to talk about it today. I met Jesus Christ and I experienced Him and I, I fell in love. I experienced life. Uh, uh, I realized that this way of life was, was so much better than the other way of life and it had not been for Hope Center and the volunteers at Hope Center, I would have never made it. And I just appreciate you, Brother Greg. And, uh, 
the, the next, a couple places I'm going to go to before I, I call Brother Cortland up here. One place is found in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 9 through 12. He had mentioned an offering plate, but I'm not here to, to actually take up an offering. I, but I'm, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving, given proportion to what you have. But I'm here today to say what what is more valuable than our time? You know what I mean? I'm asking maybe for some volunteers, you know, to, to come out and to minister to these guys and to help disciple them. Because that's what Hope Center is about, is about getting these men to Jesus and about talking to them about the Lord and sharing your experience that they hadn't yet experienced. The next place I want to go in, uh, is Luke 8 and 16. Luke 8 and 16 says, No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light could be seen by all who enter the house. I'm not here today to preach but to set this lamp on a stand. Brother Cortland, would you come up here please? Brother Cortland has, has had an impact on my life every time that he sees that I'm having a hard day and I don't want a voice that I'm having a hard day. He presses in and prays with him and helps me through it. So I appreciate you, Brother Cortland. Brother Cortland Craig. Go ahead, Brother. I ain't going to lie to you, I'm nervous. Uh, but um, I, first of all, I want to thank y'all for allowing me to be here this morning um, to bear witness of the gospel, what it's done in my life. It's, it's a privilege and an honor. Um, Brother Greg, thank you for your involvement. Uh, in James alone, since I've been there, the growth that he's had, the love in his heart, the love for the guys, and you were a big part of that. Um, so I thank you, and thank you for allowing me to be here. Adam, thank you for your accountability in the workplace. Um, you've kept me upright and tight, and that means a whole lot to me. Uh, so who believes, who here knows that the Lord can speak to you through anything if your mind and your heart's open to it? Um, I've been reading this self-help book called The Four Agreements and this right here spoke to me earlier this week and I just wanted to put it in with it. We are born with the capacity to learn how to dream and the humans who live before us teach us how to dream the way society dreams. The outside dream has so many rules that when a new human is born we hook the child's attention and introduce these rules into his or her mind. The outside dream uses mom and dad, the schools, and religion to teach us how to dream. Attention is the ability we have to discriminate and to focus only on which we want to perceive. We can perceive millions of things simultaneously. But using our attention, we can hold whatever we want to perceive in the foreground of our mind. The adults around us hooked our attention and put information into our minds through repetition. This is the way that we learned everything that we know. Um, with that being said, uh, I was born in 1999 to two drug addict alcoholic parents. Um, my mom was in active addiction of, of crack, crack cocaine. And um, before, before I was even born, 
uh, during her pregnancy she was actively using. So uh, before I left the room, before I left the womb, I was chemically dependent. Um, she has been diagnosed with uh, OCD, bipolar, um, manic depression disorder, um, and I guess that's hereditarily passed down, you know. But um, so growing up, uh, uh, well, let me talk about my dad too. I'm sorry, I'm still nervous. Uh, uh, dad was a singer-songwriter, plays music, um, and he was a heavy drinker. So I only got bits and pieces of him in and out, you know. Uh, I never really had that structure, that father figure. That's where you play a part, Adam. Thank you. Um, and as well as the guys at the center. But, uh, where was I going with that? Anyways, um, no father figure being in the house. My my mom was always looking for love um, through men, drugs, alcohol, and uh, she was always the cool mom coming up or whatever. Um, she uh, she allowed us to to drink, to smoke, um, stuff like that, and I guess we thought it was cool. I remember uh, she used to let me drive to the river on the weekends. And she'd get us one of those um, Smirnoffs and, and a black and mild and let us drive the car, seven, eight years old. Um, she just wanted to, she just wanted us to love her. And I believe that's what we're all looking for is love in the end. Uh, and he's there the whole time. He's right there in front of us. And, uh, man, that's, uh, that's been the biggest thing that's, that's grabbed a hold of me. Is the love that I've been searching for my entire life has been right there. Um, I had uh, some things that I wanted to share. He wanted me to interpret some um, or put some scripture in with it. So this has been the, the Lord's been on me about it. Let's see. Okay, where was I? Alright, so the story of Jacob in Genesis 27. Um, it's his mother that, that prompts him to lie to steal his brother inherit, brother's inheritance. That's something that I could identify with. Um, at the center we have uh, the storybook and it's kind of like a breakdown of the New Testament of the Bible or the Old Testament of the Bible. And um, those stories, I don't just... You know, I'm not just reading to read. I read to try to find myself in the pages. If not, if if I'm not doing that, what am I doing? You know. Um, so I identified with with some of the characters, and then um, another thing that I noticed that we do so often: um, Jacob lies and manipulates to his father to please his mother and his own fleshly desires. In Genesis 27:19, just looking, looking for that approval, for that love. Um, man, uh, I got stuck. Wow, I did not expect to come up here and choke. <laughs> um, Um, 
Romans 9.22 What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? It says He knew what we were going to do before we did it. Um, he knew me in the womb. He knew the family that I would be born into before I was ever put there. I never asked for it. And that He might make known, verse 23, He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had afore prepared unto glory. In a way, we're all kind of sick and suffering and, and there's some things that we're missing or, or we've been abused or, or the love just wasn't there in one way, shape, or form or another. Um, and that's where that's where God gets us at in each and every one of us because if we're being if we're being honest if everything was good all the time we wouldn't need him we wouldn't need him Uh, it says in Matthew uh, I can't remember which one but it's oh yeah Matthew 9 10 through 12 it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick you know, uh, man, I'm sick. I'm sick today. The world's sick. Just like it said in the book that our schools, our parents, our own, the desires of our flesh, in this day and age especially, the perverseness of the TV that we're watching in our schools, our, our, our kids, parents, this is probably the only place that we have refuge is in the church setting. And a lot of times when you go home, it's still not. No matter how long you sit in this pew or how much you sing. You know, that was another big thing in my story that um, I went to church with my granny on Sunday. She took the initiative to try to plant that seed in my heart and it worked. Thank you, Jesus, for my grandmother. She's still standing by me and sends me these little quotes and, and stuff like that and, and scripture. We just talked about it yesterday. And I was so fired up about this. I thought I was going to come here and smash it, but <laughs> I was. I was fired up. But um, we were just talking about it yesterday. And uh, there I go again. Uh, she's going to be there this afternoon. I'm going to tell her I was up here shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Teeth chattering. Oh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, she planted the seed. Um, and I remember we went. Uh, we just went to a men's retreat. I can't remember the name of the place. DW, you remember where we went for the men? Camp Gardner Creek in in Dixon. Um, and I didn't realize it when we went till about a week before. But my granny went up there the weekend before, and I went up there the following weekend for our men's retreat. And it turns out. Uh, I remember vaguely we went to church camp there a few times as a kid um, and I remember being being in the sanctuary and I can't remember exactly what he was preaching on but it was about the suffering and the pain and the abuse and the neglect that was in the home and I went up there and hit my knees and it, I remember it was like it was like a tree and its branches all the hands that were on me that just scattered out and that was the day that I first gave my life to the Lord uh, 
And He comforted me. He gave me refuge. And when I returned home, it was the same darkness that I was in. It was the same thing. So I kind of, I had a distorted view of who God was and who He was supposed to be in my life. And coming to the Hope Center, it's been a, um, it's been a discipline process. It's been an unlearning and a learning process. Like the book says, we take up as we're growing up. If you, uh, if I had my guys sitting in here, and I asked the question, how many of us were introduced to drugs and alcohol as a child? I guarantee you, 29 out of 30 hands are going to go up. How many of them experienced abuse, neglect, or or? or just put down or, or didn't get the attention they needed, whatever the case is, 29 out of 30 hands. You know, and maybe it was just that era, maybe it was just that time, but I know one thing, he's, I believe that He set us apart for such a time as this. Without that suffering, we never would have been willing to, to get down at that altar and, and give our lives to Him. And because of, because of so great mercy... Like Paul said, that great mercy were prepared unto glory. We can tell about how this testimony thing, about how good He's been to us, about how sweet He is to us. Um, in the workplace, since I've been at the center, um, I've had some, uh, some pride issues, some ego issues, um, some I want it my way issues. I know we all know about that. I want it my way. Um, and he's used different people. Adam, Ronald, um, even Eli. Eli's just, he's a, oh, well, I ain't going to go all into it. But, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's ex-Amish and he's fire and brimstone. We'll just leave it right there. Uh, uh, man, but those were, those were some of my valley moments. You know, where, where I was, I had to persevere through. I had to say, Lord, I trust you. Even though it don't feel good, even though it's terribly hard, and I'm st- I still got my days like that. But I love you, and I'm believing what you can do for me. I'm believing, I'm standing firm on your word, believing that you're going to change my heart and my mind. I'm believing that. Please help me. Please help me because I don't. When I look around at this center, most of these guys are twice my age, old enough to be my dad. And the little um, voice in the back of my head said, "says Your generation messed up my generation." But I don't tell them that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't tell them that. <laughs> but um. Anyways, uh I gotta make sure I touch on this. Last weekend or last week, you know, it was Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We made it. Um, shouldn't have been there for that one. Shouldn't have been there. Oh, I didn't say this, but I guess I probably should. Uh, my uh, drug of choice was fentanyl, and um, I was trying to. I was trying to die. I was doing enough to kill myself every day. It wasn't happening for me. So I'm believing that there's a greater purpose for my life. Um, thank you, Jesus. I made it. Uh, so this weekend, my mom's still in active addiction. Just about whatever she can get her hands on. Um, 
And my aunt asked me, I took a pass Saturday, and we they got a cabin. Most of my family's you know, all right. They do all right. It's just me and my mom that seem to be the black sheeps. Um, I got two beautiful sisters that turned out just fine. I don't know how that worked. You know what I mean? They turned out fine. I don't know. Don't ask me. We'll, we'll talk to the Lord when we get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I got some questions for Him. <laughs> but, um... Anyways, uh... Before my mom got there, we were all sitting around the fire. And my, my aunt asked me, she was like, Hey, do you want me to go pick up your mother? I'm like, what kind of question is that? Yeah, I want to, I want to see my mom. I love her. I care about her. And I could tell there was a... There was just an off... It was just off around the campfire that day. They was like, mm, I don't know about that. And I'm like, man, I'm the only one that's anticipating seeing her. I still, I love her. You know, and uh, I believe we, fall, we all fall short in that area sometimes. But, um, so my aunt went and picked her up from the house, came back, and um, it's an hour, about an hour or so drive to Columbia from Hallwald, and then, well, from the camp, Thousand Trails, and then the same amount of time back. Well, after she picked her up and brought her there, my mom refused to, to get in the circle of us. Before she got there, we were all sitting around talking in the chair, circled up. And after she got there, you know, it was kind of, it's like my family had put up a wall. Brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews, your daughter and her boyfriend, you know what I mean, had, had a wall up. They didn't want her in the circle. And I couldn't help but think that that was me. You know, they, I know they were just, they were hurting to see me that way. They were, and they were trying to protect themselves, but I needed them. I needed that love. I needed that support before I got sober. I needed it back when I was still sick. I needed it when I was sick, man. And that's what Jesus said. I'm here to save the sick. He didn't care what you looked like or what you were going through or what kind of sin you were caught up in. He was there to love you no matter what. And that's what I love about my God. I serve a good God. Man, He's good. He's there for us. He loves us no matter the circumstances. Oh, man. Oh. They put up that wall, and uh, oh, this is the worst part. Man, I tried to tell her. We just sat at the at a picnic table, separated from the family, which is tough. Man, that's tough. Um, and I tried. I asked her. I was like, "Mama, you know the story about the prodigal son?" And she was like, "Uh, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. I don't want to hear none of that." And uh, um, that sucked. I was like, look, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I don't mean to preach at you, but I found something. Man, I found something. And I want you to have it. I want you to be a part of the family. Whether it's in that circle or out of that circle, I belong to a family. 
a body of Christ that believes and loves me and cares about me and wants to lift me up. Man, we could. Um, some of the agreements in in this book is um, being a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hold on. Being a. Uh, Uh, be impeccable with your word. In other words, man, lift people up, encourage one another. That'll change everything about your life. Just say something good about somebody. You know, I can pick your flaws out all day. I can pick you apart all day. But if I, man, it takes a real man or a real woman to say, hey, you know, because we can pick them out. Man. Um. Second one is don't take anything personally. I needed that one right there. <laughs> I needed that one. The third one is don't make assumptions. I needed that one too. And then the fourth one's always do your best. Oh, that's powerful. Oh. Did I do all right? You know what I mean? Okay. Beautiful. Well, I love y'all. And um like he was saying, we, we need some people that are some disciples of Jesus, some followers of Christ that are willing to willing to pour in and give some love to people like me. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what we need today. We need more love. Not just at the center, but everywhere. At Walmart, in the gas stations. We need more love because that's what I was missing the whole time. And if you belong to Jesus, you got the same love I got. You know what I mean? Love y'all. Thank you. as real and as honest as it gets and we thank you for that we thank you for sharing your heart and your story with us your testimony because uh, God is good and uh, you know there are uh, men and women here that have a deep love for the Lord and I will just echo his his comment, his his the appeal that Corwin and, and Daniel have made this morning. That what they need are more volunteers. And you don't have to have a seminary education or a degree in psychology. If you love God and you love others, then you can do what they're asking people to do. And so if God's Spirit has pricked your heart at all this morning about serving in that capacity, then please come come see me and ask what it's about. And I will be glad to share with you what I have experienced over the last, uh, well, uh, in January it will be three years of volunteering at, at Hope Center Ministries. Uh, that said, you've, you've heard a message of love this morning. You've heard a message that says that it's a, it's a, a horrible thing when we exclude people outside of the circle.
and that God intends for us to be people who allow everybody inside the circle. And so, if you are not yet part of God's circle, then we give you the opportunity to do that this morning. We offer an invitation so that you can come down the aisle and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I'm ready to submit my life to Him and be part of His family. And we will make the waters of baptism available to you. Or maybe you just want to start exploring. Maybe it's a time that you just need to start studying with somebody. And we will study with you and look at what God's divine word says. And we can put you on that road to salvation. If you're here this morning and there's something weighing on you, and you just need the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ. We offer the invitation for that reason also. Let's stand together and sing.